0: Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are delighted to be joined by London Night are Amy LeMay. Uh, Amy, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule today. How are you and whereabouts are you joining us from?
1: Well, it's great to chat with you, Dan. I am... Speaking to you from uh, what I call my cloffice, it's like a mix between <laughs> a closet and an office <laughs> um, at home. And I've uh, I've got it all set up, you know, I mean, no, like so many of us, we weren't expecting to be working this way. But hey, you know,
0: yes, we make do. <laughs> we do. Um, well, like I said, thank you so much for, for taking some time to have a chat with us. Um, now, it's been about five years, I believe, since you were appointed Knights Are for London. So uh, just for anyone who might not know exactly what that title entails, would you be able to, in a nutshell, explain some of the key aspects of, of your job?
1: Yeah, so so I was appointed Knight Czar in November 2016 um, by the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan. I'm the first Knight Czar uh, of London and indeed in the UK and my role is to ensure london thrives as a 24-hour city now there are many other cities around the world that have such posts sometimes they're called nightmares um i'm very thankful <laughs> that i didn't get that title <laughs> um and uh but most of them in fact all of them really focus on bars pubs and clubs and i had a very strong feeling that london deserved more we deserved better and so i uh and my office take a 360 degree view of London at night that encompasses everything that happens between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. so of course bars pubs and clubs are a really important part of that but we have 1.6 million people regularly working in London at night and most of those people work in the NHS mm-hmm. and then sort of second down the list is professional services and then third on the list is what we get to you know when we think of commonly think of the nighttime economy you know bars pubs clubs culture that side of things so clearly um you know we we need to look at every single aspect of life in london from transport to policing and crime to the environment to culture business regeneration housing you know and look at all of this through the lens of 6pm to 6am yeah and i'm i'm really proud to be London's first nights are, um, one of the first things we were able to do was to help stem the fall in numbers of grassroots live music venues and LGBTQ plus venues after a decade of decline, started the Women's Night Safety Charter, worked successfully with the Met to scrap Form 696, which I'm particularly proud of, uh, which badly affected Black and minority ethnic artists, and also created for sounds partnerships so that's just like a little handful yeah. <laughs> of things we were doing um and then the pandemic hit and then yeah then mm. the pandemic
0: <laughs> yes um so we we will of course uh talk about the pandemic and what's been going on over the past 15 16 months but when you mm-hmm. first took on the role being the first uh night star for of london as well what were your kind of top priorities then and up until the pandemic hit where do you think you were at in you know the, uh, achieving your your goals for for the nighttime economy? You, you mentioned some of the achievements there, um, but what for you, as I say, prior to to the pandemic, were the were the absolute top priorities and uh, some of your observations for for what happened in that kind of you know three and a half years before before the pandemic struck.
1: Mm, yeah, so that's a really good question, because, you know, I obviously had things that I thought, as Knights are, we should be looking into. But it's also really important that we consult Londoners and ask them what they think. Uh, so we did some polling um, uh, as soon as I was appointed. And overwhelmingly, the message they came back with was that uh, safety for uh, women at night was their number one priority. Now, that's also one of my main priorities as well. So it was great that, you know, they, they matched up. And so I set, uh, set off pretty quickly to uh, develop and launch the Women's Night Safety Charter. This is an initiative that was formed in partnership with the Mayor's Office for Policing and Crime. And it's to encourage companies, organizations um, to put women's safety at the heart of their nighttime offering. Uh, We've got over 600 signatories uh, really across the board, everything from sort of McDonald's to uh, local DIY grassroots live music venues. You know, if you operate or employ women or have women as customers between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m., we want you to sign up. So that is something that has been ongoing since the beginning. Um, The other thing was really around saving venues because as I was appointed it was that moment in time when Fabric was under um, a lot of scrutiny. Uh, They were having a licensing review and you know there were a lot of people from the clubbing community that felt very strongly about it. No one was really speaking to each other either so the police, the venue, um the the community the the, the council there, there were a lot of blockages there and so my role and my main power as as nights are is a convening role to get those people around the table to have those difficult conversations and try and work out a solution. I'm really pleased to say fabric reopened uh, it's you know unfortunately had to close its doors like every other nightclub in the past you know for the past 17 months but they are now reopened and I'm really really pleased about that. Mm
0: -hmm. Excellent. Um,
1: I mean mean, just to answer your point around you know sort of where were we before the pandemic hit mm. it was interesting because we were on an upward trajectory. I mean we were you know, we had a couple of years under our belts, you know, doing this kind of work. And we had reached a point where the economy at night was growing faster than the economy was during the day. We had 1.6 million people working at night, everything to play for. And then the pandemic, yeah. um, which has shown its own uh, set of, set of um, challenges, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think everyone you know, uh, has seen the impact that it's had on, you know, the nighttime economy, particularly venues, clubs, you know, the the whole live music area has been hugely um, impacted by it. I mean, what was the plan when when you saw that this was something that was not going away quickly, that this was going to be a long-term problem? What what kind of planning is made at that point to kind of keep these venues... um, alive and 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 to to stop them from going under like you said you you managed to stem the tide of of grassroots music venues particularly from from going under how 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 have they been able to survive and what has the damage been you know in terms of numbers of venues that are still around uh that have been forced to close what's the general picture uh looking back over this past 15 months
1: It's really interesting. And so, you know, we were planning uh, as best as we could, but we didn't know how long this would last. And I I don't think anybody really imagined at the beginning that it would last as long as it has. Uh, So that's been another challenge. Um, Pretty much straight away, what I did was start consulting with. Uh, my stakeholders, businesses and organizations, you know, like UK Hospitality, Nighttime Industries Association, um, the British Beer and Pub Association. You know, these are people that are in regular touch with their owners and operators and were feeding back all of this vital information to us about what was going on on the ground. Um, And so it enabled us to put in place a group It's not a very snappy title, (laughs) I have to say, but uh, it's been super effective. And it's a a High Streets Reopening Coordination Group that I formed and chaired. And it basically brought together the industry, police, health officials, uh, local councils across London to plan for reopening. Mm. So we were originally planning for that reopening on the 4th of July 2020. and. (laughs) And we thought, right, you know, by the end of July, we were not going to need this group anymore. Mm. And how wrong we were. And so we have, it's been running for, you know, well over a year, year and a bit now. And it's more vital than ever. Um, And it's really helped businesses be resilient because we've been able to lobby the government on behalf of them on issues that are absolutely number one priority for them. I mean, alongside that, we've had very practical support for uh, for businesses. So we knew that, you know, going back to my point I made earlier around the, the culture at risk and those grassroots DIY type places being most at risk, even before the pandemic, we realized the pandemic could absolutely see them off and all of our hard work would have been for nothing. So the mayor launched a 2.3 million pound culture at risk business support fund. And this was to help the most at risk of our at risk venues. So, you know, we know we have like 51 LGBTQ plus venues left in London, you know, that that's a 62% reduction over the last 10 years. So we needed to make sure that they were resilient and could could survive grassroots live music venues work really closely with the music venues trust uh, to support them and to fund them to to be able to help uh, and give specialist advice um, to to venues and then independent cinemas and also artist studios because we know freelancers have been incredibly hard hit as well and we had a number of other schemes at city hall like pay forward scheme we had a uh, London Growth Hub, sort of very specific sm- uh, advice for small and medium-sized businesses. So, yeah, it's been um, ever-shifting and ever-changing as well because as the pandemic has developed, you know, things, things have changed. But, you know, in my heart of hearts has been so difficult for nightclubs. You know, they were the first to close. They were the last to reopen. And they're the ones that are often scapegoated in the press uh and you know there's a perception that they've been scapegoated by the government as being part of the problem rather than being part of the solution which everyone who's ever worked in a nightclub knows that we are
0: yeah absolutely i mean how you know do you have any figures on the amount of grassroots venues clubs uh, that have been forced to close due to the pandemic, or have most of them been able to to survive due to the fund that was launched by the mayor?
1: Yeah, they've um, they've been able to survive. I mean, it's it's still difficult because we have the evictions moratorium until March next year. Mm. So, of course, you know, um, landlords aren't able to to kick anybody out for not paying their rent or being being in arrears and stuff. And so, I think that. March next year will be a really crucial point and we're going to have to work really hard between now and then to make sure that those businesses are resilient and they're able to sort of solve any debt issues or whatever. Um, But you know what is so surprising, Dan, is that, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, we can just get through this and not lose any more of our LGBTQ plus venues. I will be so pleased. Mm -hmm. And three more have reopened <laughs> wow. since since reopening, and I mean, it's incredible. Mm. I, I wasn't expecting that, but I guess you know, there's there people, a lot of people have been making life choices and changes about what they want to do with their lives and what's meaningful for them. And so, um, I'm really excited. We've got a new. A uh, new place in Lewisham um, and a new one in Camden that's just about to open, and another one in Hackney that's just opened. It's so, incredible. yeah,
0: yeah, amazing. Pleasantly
1: <laughs> wow. surprised. Yeah, I
0: mean, that's that's great to hear. And do you anticipate more of those uh, launching? Is there anything like that in the pipeline?
1: Well, I only hope. Um, mm. I mean, it's interesting to see how. Changes that were made during the pandemic, particularly around, say, like um, pavement licenses and you know, sort of opening up outdoors in that way, will help venues yeah. in a way. Um, and just, you know, tonight I'm going to launch a, a Drummond Street Streetery, you know, where they're extending their opening hours and getting every, you know, sort of blocking off the the road and having traffic-free eating and drinking and you know and that's all part of the ecosystem of our night at London that makes it a welcoming place so I'm really pleased to see people are kind of adopting some of those innovative measures that we were forced to do um, during COVID.
0: Excellent I mean what does the picture look like now that things are opening up now that the lockdown restrictions have been lifted um, for grassroots venues and clubs, what what what's the kind of the path back to recovery? If you like, is it uh, you know presumably it's not just a case of okay now that those restrictions have lifted, everything's back to normal. It's what's the process now for getting things back to some semblance of of post uh, pre pandemic normality? Yeah.
1: So what I've been really concentrating on is safety in venues because there are a lot of people um, who haven't been out for a long time. uh, And we have 850,000 18 and 19 year olds who became of age (laughs) uh, under lockdown. And so they might not be so used to going out in nighttime environments and may not know what their limits are uh, and that poses a whole sense a whole whole bunch of challenges for venue owners and operators who've also a lot have been furloughed for 17 months and you know it's like getting back getting those skills back and and making sure that everything is not just safe and secure in in the way we had to before COVID, you know, meeting licensing regulations and stuff, but also making sure that it feels COVID safe. So um, we've got a couple of initiatives that we're working on. We've just been rolling out Um, WAVE training, which is welfare and vulnerability engagement training for all licensed establishments in uh, in London, uh, encouraging them to do that, encouraging them to sign up to the Women's Night Safety Charter. We're relaunching Ask for Angela quite soon, um, which is really exciting. Um, And, you know, just tackling those issues and making sure that everybody feels as safe as they possibly can when they're going out for a night out in London, you know, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's, you know, going to see a gig or whether you're working, whether you're, you know, shopping, whether you're, you know, studying, just, you know, yeah. having a cup of tea, <laughs> whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. You know, we have to we have to make sure that whatever it is, 6pm to 6am, um, really makes everybody feel welcome and safe.
0: Mm. And what's your, uh, what's been your view on how how the the pandemic you know particularly for the nighttime economy and grassroots venues and live music and and that whole area what do you think about the way that's been handled by government during the past sort of 15 16 months do you do you feel like more could have been done perhaps earlier on to help protect the the nighttime economy what's what's been your view on the the general handling of of this issue
1: Mm, well uh (laughs) I think that one thing that has come out of the pandemic is that people are talking about how important our nights are. And I can only hope and, you know, we will continue to work on this and make sure that our voices are being heard. You know, during the pandemic, there was a, an all party parliamentary group for uh, nighttime economy set up. You know, I'm, I'm a part of that group. Uh, I attend that group so and this is a cross party group of MPs that are you know concerned uh, about the welfare of our nightlife across the uk which is really good um, I know I know that we struggled to get the, even the word nightclub <laughs> sort of said or recognized but I think the prime minister did say it on a couple of occasions so nightclubs definitely exist. Yeah. <laughs> and um and so i think that from here on it's about building those those good relationships mm. you know, organizations like the nighttime industries association and the music venues trust work so closely with government and you know they've you know they've had challenges but we've also been able to make gains you know to be able to get the arts council for example to recognize lgbtq plus venues as culture and for nightclubs to be seen as a cultural offering mm. you know is it, it that's a good step because then they were able to access funds to help them survive mm. um so yeah yeah i think it's going to be a really interesting time and inter- interesting next couple of years but you know we got to work keep working hard to make sure that it's like on the agenda yeah to be honest.
0: and how um how have you found working with the London mayor sadiq khan how has his commitment to to protecting the the nighttime economy been
1: well everything i mean he's my boss so
0: if, <laughs> he, i appreciate it's he, probably a, a a difficult question to no, answer like, in some I, respect you
1: know look i wouldn't be doing this if he wasn't you know like he's my he, he's the one that says right amy go out and do it Mm. You know, he's the one that says we've got to save these venues. This is absolutely crucial for London. You know, he's the one that is leading the pride parade with me on by his side. You know, Mm. he's the one that's saying this is this culture is absolutely intrinsic to the survival of our city, not just economically, but socially. Mm. You know, he gets it. The first thing he said you know when <laughs> restrictions were lifted, was like right when are we going clubbing? You know, and so <laughs> um, yet yet to yet to pin him down on that one, but um I know that he's very keen to go out and have a boogie to some '80s music. Okay. So <laughs> to be organizing that for him, but 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 what I'm trying to convey is is that it, th- this is he, he gets it, mm. he gets it intrinsically, and so. I am able to do my job and, and identify, you know, places that need the most help and what, what's, what are in our powers and it's in our gift to help bring people around the table, that convening power um, and try and change things.
0: Fantastic. And how optimistic are you for the, the future prosperity i guess of the the nighttime economy in london is it, it do you obviously there's still very challenging times ahead yeah. but do you feel like we've kind of weathered the worst of the storm or do you think that the, the fact that as you say come march next year we may be presented with some more difficulties what what what's the roadmap yeah. like now for for grassroots venues in particular
1: well i wouldn't um like to go on mystic meg on you because you know that's nobody can really predict but i think that one thing that is outstanding both both about grassroots live music venues lgbtq plus venues nightclubs nighttime spaces is that it is the most resilient sector i have ever encountered you know and i've run nightclubs i ran a club for 25 years in london um and and so you know we we had to adapt back in the day from you know before the internet to and then there was the internet. you know so you're used to kind of having to roll with roll with the punches i mean this was a very big very very big punch
0: yeah
1: and uh, and it and yeah a lot of places have really suffered, and this is—you know—we have to remember, this is about people's lives and livelihoods. It's how they pay their rent. It's how they feed their kids, you know. And and this isn't just about the venues or you know some esoteric idea of, of you know music is great. This is this is how people live, and and so that's why it's even more important that we support support the industry as much as we can that like i say they are resilient so i know that whatever's thrown at them they'll be able to cope but we need to help and the government needs to step up the government needs to recognize really that you know we we can't do it alone we need their help we need them to listen uh and you know then you know if we want to have this recovery that everyone's talking about this this great recovery you know people talking about you know the roaring 20s um we're gonna need places to go yeah we're gonna need places to like I said that economic and that social recovery so important to connect with people to see our friends our family like you know just going to a gig for me was just like (laughs) I I, was first in the queue for the person down some, you know, sweaty basement yeah. <laughs> somewhere in North London, seeing a band that nobody's ever <laughs> heard of. I'm there. <laughs> you know that to me is just yeah. ideal. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, it's been fascinating um, hearing from you about this, and you know, it is. It already must have been a very challenging job. So I can't imagine what the past, past 15, 16 months have been like. But of course, you know, we wish you all the best in everything that you have coming up in the coming months. And, and that yeah, the, these venues and the nighttime economy is able to recover as quickly as possible. Um, but thank you so much for your time. It's been it's been really interesting chatting to you again. And, um, yeah, we we'll wish you all the best.
1: Thanks, Dan. It's great to chat. Thank
0: you.